God, well, you can be seated today. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Well, let's turn our Bibles today. And let's go to 1 Timothy 1.15. I want to preach today a message that has helped me over the years. And I believe that it will help you as we unveil this truth. And uh, I just want to entitle it that I was, but now I am. I was, but now I am. And in 1 Timothy 1.15, Father, just touch our eyes, our ears. God, that we will be touched by the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge. The eyes of our understanding would be enlightened and opened. God, that we would see the hope of our calling. And that, God, we would see the depth of the riches of our inheritance. But, God, more so that we would see the power that is towards us that you've already demonstrated by raising Jesus from the dead. Let us see, God, that there is no limit to the power that you will use to bring us out of the confines of death and the imprisonments, God, of bondage to sin. And God, we just thank you for all that you've done for us in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus. For we are the redeemed. For God, we are blood-bought. God, we are blood-washed. God, we are chosen. We are appointed. God, we have been lifted up. We have been seated with life and goodness. There is nothing before us but victory and success because it is your will that we would prosper and be in health even as we are transformed by your word. God, we are those that are led by your spirit. God, we are those that know your voice. We are those, God, that have called upon your name. We are those, God, that in the midst of a storm will keep your word. We are those, God, that have built our lives upon a solid foundation. We are peculiar, God. We are weird. We are the high priest. We are the king of this kingdom. And God, we are the ambassadors of Christ. And God, there is nothing impossible unto us because we are infused into Christ Jesus and his strength flows through us. God, we want to thank you. We are those that have had all their needs met. We are those, God, who have received healing by the stripes of Christ. We are those, God, that have a sound mind. We are those, God, that have a spirit of power and a spirit of love. We are those that are not offended. We are those that do not stumble. We don't cast off. We do not forsake. We do not let loose of that which we know. Where we have arrived at, God, we will hang on to. That which we have discovered, we will activate. That which we, will, we know, we will cling to, Father. God, you are our Father. We are your people, and we are your sons and daughters. And we cry, Abba, Father, and we thank you that you have our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen and amen. <clears throat> 1 Timothy 1.15 says this. Now, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in the first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them who should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. Paul says that Jesus in for in uh, the 15th verse, he says this, Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Jesus came with a purpose. He came with a purpose. He didn't come just to observe man. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. Now, that is a statement, or that word says, he came to save, expresses a purpose and a reason why he come now that doesn't mean that it is a purpose fulfilled it means that it's a goal and a purpose that is expressed by his birth in other words the birth of Christ expresses God's will for mankind then in first John 3 8 we know this that he that sinneth uh, is of the devil for the devil sinneth from the beginning 
But for this cause was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Now, when it talks about that, Jesus comes that he was manifest. He was unveiled. He was brought forth out of a place that had already been consecrated by God. And then he comes into a place that he has already marked out for Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus comes to destroy the works of the devil. Now, last week we talked about that condemnation is one of the works of the devil. Well, overall, sin itself is the work of the devil. And so Jesus comes to destroy the works. In other words, that word destroy. Now, I'm laying a foundation, so give me a couple minutes here. Jesus is laying, uh, coming, and he's telling us that he's going to destroy the works of the devil. In other words, Jesus looses from destruction. In other words, he looses something or undoes something whereby men are already bound to. Now, we know that everybody that is a sinner is bound by the devil, is ruled by the devil, is ordered by the devil, led astray by the devil, and we understand that they are under a kingdom of destruction. It means that when Jesus destroys the works of the devil, he dissolves them so that their form could never be brought back together. He dissolves any form of bondage. Somebody say any. Any. He destroyed the works, the works, plural. Anything that can be attributed to the devil has been destroyed. Not that it's going to be, it has been. Somebody say it has been. Thus, for this purpose does Jesus come. He comes to save, and the only way that he can save mankind or save sinners is that he must destroy the things that keep them bound into this bondage. He must destroy them. If not, Jesus could not say that he saved man. He would have to say that he was in the process of saving man. But we are saved. Amen? All right. Let's go to 2 Timothy 1.8. 2 Timothy 1.8. Remember, we're talking about I was, but now I am. How many of you remember who you used to be? Good, we want to get rid of that. Because, you know, I went one time, and I, I used to have this dog, and his name was Holly Pop. And uh, the dog was a great dog, and, I, you know, our family loved her until the one that we didn't love sold her to a guy passing by, my sister. And uh, you remember that, Charlie? Doreen sold Holly Pop for five bucks. Holly Pop was a great dog. She was a bird dog, and she went everywhere I went. And sometimes I would ride my bike to Quincy, or I would walk to Quincy, or I would catch a ride to Quincy, and that was about four, four and a half miles away. And I would lock that dog up. I'm telling you, that dog, it was a best friend, but that dog was a nuisance. Kind of like being married. It, you know, it, 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 you needed it, but you hated that it didn't do what you wanted it to do. And so... Holly Pop, they would let Holly Pop loose after I'd been gone for an hour or half an hour. And lo and behold, that dog would beat me to the place that I was gone. How do you do that? Well, I don't know. But I do know that that dog could find me wherever I was. She had a mission. Now, so we have to understand Jesus comes with a mission. He comes with a purpose. <clears throat> but if he does not destroy the foundation of what he desires to accomplish, then he has not been successful. And sometimes I think we, when we remember who we were and what we did and how separated from God that we were, that we forget that we are something different now. Now, in 2 Timothy 1.8, it says these words. 
And now, not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who hath, somebody say hath. Now in 1 Timothy, Paul speaks of the purpose. Now he speaks and he uses a word, hath saved us. Anybody know what the word hath means? A past tense. It is a past tense thing. So Jesus came with a purpose. But after he dies for our sins, destroys the works of the enemy, guess what? Now we are something. We are something different. We're not waiting for salvation. We're not going to try to get saved. But when we come into Christ, it says here what or who hath saved us. Now, that is a past tense word. Go to get an amen. It is a past tense word. It is a word that takes something from another moment and makes it a present tense reality. So if I would say, uh, Phyllis is my wife, that would mean that I had married her. And she is now something. She wouldn't be becoming my wife. She already is my wife. Could again get an amen? And so when it says Jesus saved us or hath saved us, it now declares the fullness of his purpose has been accomplished. The word hath saved means something finished. No longer a goal, but a completed task. A completed task. Somebody say, it's completed. Now, if it's completed, it's completed. Right? Okay. Whatever is completed is completed. And then it says these words. Who hath saved us, called us within holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Could I have a marriage certificate up there? It says, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now, that is a marriage certificate. Now, this marriage certificate, this cut in stone covenant this identity of two people this says andrew rogers and the deceived ashley johnson <clears throat> that they got married at only believe ministries christian center the second day of september in the year of 2006 by or officiating pastor peter dosick now, when we begin to realize that we are something, it brings a stability to your life. But if you're always wondering about something or you're trying to obtain something or to achieve something, guess what? You will always be struggling trying to find out where you are in the process. See, if God says that I'm saved, then I'm saved. And if God said that I'm saved, then everything that has to do with salvation has already been accomplished and assigned to me. Now, Andrew, get that back up there, Andrew. Andrew just can't hardly stand to look at that. And, and uh, <clears throat> Andrew, now if Andrew was out at the mall and some girl come up to him and said, Hey, how you doing? Man, you know, we're just hanging out. You got anything to do this afternoon? Andrew would, could say this. Well, I'm getting married. She said, well, you ain't married yet. And Andrew would say, you're right. <laughs> and Andrew could violate the engagement without, if she doesn't find out, any hampering of this covenant. But when Andrew gets married, 
when Andrew was something and becomes who he is now, when a girl approaches him, he says this, well, I'm married. Oh, sorry. Entirely different response. Entirely different stand. Entirely different steadfast, resistant place with temptation. See, when we don't accept who we are and we're always trying to achieve something, how do we know we've ever got it? Well, you certainly can't depend on friends. You can't depend on your feelings. You can't depend on outward evidence. You have to depend on some place which is called the truth. Could I get an amen? Absolutely. So when we have this, we realize that we are something. We are someplace where there is a provision. There is a covenant. There is a steadfastness. He's not trying to become a husband. Now he is going to discover different segments of what being married means. But as far as being a husband, he is a husband. He is a father. He is married. And so he has a steadfast place to govern his actions. But if we don't accept who we are, then understand that we're always, always going to be wobbling Christians. So all you guys and girls that are getting married, you can change your mind until you reach the place that you say, I do. After that, all options are gone. I tell people before I married them, if you're going to, if you don't want to do it, get out now. Because once you say, I do, you're done. You are done. You're cooked. You're ready for the broiler, brother. You are not getting out of here. But if you want, I'll give you a one-way ticket. I won't give you a ticket to go and to come back. I'll give you a ticket to go. You say, oh, that, why, why, why would you do that? Well, they can't sustain that little temptation, sweetheart. They ain't never going to stand the next week that's coming into their life. Amen? So, then it says in verse 10, look what Jesus did. But now is he made manifest by the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath abolished. Somebody say abolished. That means he has rendered unemployed. He is abolished. In other words, he has rendered him inoperative. He has rendered him deprived of all power or any force to rule over people. He's abolished. He's annihilated. He's obliviated so small in particle that you could never put him back together. It means that he is now annulled. Death has been annulled over your life. Does anybody know what annulled means? Make as if it never existed. Right? Okay, so here we begin to discover that Jesus has abolished death, destroyed the works of the adversary. Now, Jesus himself came and cleansed us of all of our sins. Cleansed us of all of our sins. Therefore, we are free of those sins. Could I have Hebrews 1.3 on the screen? Now, I want you to watch this very important because this is what happens to Christians. This is where we're going to springboard off of. Now, once you enter into a covenant, once you establish who you are, listen, if God says you're something, you are something. Amen? It says this, who being in the brightness of his glory, Jesus, and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself purged our sins, set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Anybody know what purging of sin does? Causes us to be redeemed. It annuls the power of death over us. It breaks the old identity and we become new creatures in Christ Jesus and old things are passed away and behold, all things are 
new. When your sins are purged away, you are purged. But then Peter, 2 Peter 1.9, please, tells us this is the problem. 2 Peter 1.9 says this, But he that lacketh these things, watch these important words, are blind, cannot see afar off, or they always live bound to the moment, no hope. And it says, hath forgotten, he was purged from his old sins. Now, Jesus purged us of our sins, presenting us holy before the Lord, breaking us out from under the power and the dominion of death. Somebody say, I'm not under the power of the devil. If you go back and try to find any portion of the bondages that you were under, they're broken. They're annihilated. They're pulverized. You can't find them. Do you know that God doesn't even see you having been bound? Now here it says that you can be blind and you can't see beyond your moment when you forget that you were purged of your sins. The devil takes advantage of people that have forgotten that they are new creatures. When we get sinners, when they come up and pray, what do we say to them? Well, God has forgiven you. They're so excited. Man, hallelujah, new beginning. Just like you and I were, we were so excited telling everybody, praise God, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, I'm born again. The devil doesn't have nothing over me. I'm God's property, hallelujah. That lasts about six months until the old saints teach you that you're really not what God said you were. And when the world starts telling you, oh, you aren't a Christian. That didn't really happen to you. You know that you're a sinner. You know what you've done. Doesn't matter what you've done. All evidence has been purged away. It has been taken out. And so here it says that we forget that we were purged. Now, as soon as we forget that, guess what? Here comes the blinding work of the devil. He starts blinding you to what is in your future. And all you start dealing with is what you are going through right now. When really you don't have to, you go through things, but it doesn't have to affect you. It doesn't have to affect you. You should go through it. You shouldn't participate in it. All right, so when we get a mind or a point of view that we forget that we have been purged, then what's going to happen is you and I are going to begin to be blindsided because as soon as you forget who you are, now you're open to somebody's opinion. I told you one time, a, a girl told me that I, that I was ugly. I thought about that. I finally came to the conclusion, she must have escaped the mental institution before I'd met her. I mean, who could think that? Yeah, who could think that? Listen, if you don't have an established identity, what are you going to become? Whatever your mind thinks. You know, we have an identity crisis in America today. Kids don't even know if they're boys or girls. Since we don't know what they are in ourself, how, please, we don't know what a male or a female are, so we made a new species, transgender. And if you want to go further, go get an operation, become anything you want. That is an identity crisis. Oh, but, but Pastor, you're, no, I'm not demeaning anything. What I'm telling you, this is nothing but the work of blindness by Satan. Amen. 
absolutely nothing but blindness because man has forgot who he is. He's looking for identity, and whenever you look for it, you can find it. Amen? And so we have to realize that the world is in an identity crisis. I mean, they've, they've got kids that have shows that are raising money so they can get an operation. Who in the world would... If my son came to me and said, Dad, I'm not really a man, I, I'm a boy. I'd pull his pants down and I'd say, No, I see you're a boy. Now bend over, I'm going to drive that thought out of you. You say, oh, I'd talk to him. I know you would probably talk to him. But you know, there are reasons that we have, we have to corral thoughts on people. Free thinking is fine if you want to be a dummy. But if you want to be wise, you're going to have to think the way that God wants you to think. Because he is the only resource of wisdom in the world. Could I get an amen? You say, oh, but science is falsely called. Unless God is the center of it, it's falsely called. There is no place of wisdom besides God and his word. Amen? And so, you know, creation doesn't have an identity crisis. I don't go up and pull a pear off of a tree and say, hey, could you be an apple? Because I have an appetite for an apple today. The pear tree says, stupid, I'm a pear tree. But I say, yeah, but can't you be what I want you to be? Because I need you to be that. Can't you just be a little like free spirited? Well, the pear tree can't be anything but the pear tree. Now, I would tell you that dogs uh, use fire hydrants and uh, cats climb trees. But one day I was going through Shelby, Indiana. And I was coming in there for a miracle service, and I looked over, and I saw a dog take off running, and he climbed a tree. I told the guy driving me, we're in the twilight zone. (laughs) Now, what I want you to realize is this, that if you forget what purging did, which was become the foundation of your salvation, what is going to happen to you is you're going to begin to be blinded. And you're going to be moved away from the position that God has already put you in. It's not a questionable position. It is a steadfast position. Could again, amen. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you have ever led somebody to Jesus? Okay. What scripture do you use? Romans 10, 9. You say, look, if you believe in your heart and you confess Jesus Christ, with your mouth. When you make that confession, you will be saved. Is that what you tell them? Sure. Do you believe that? Sure. But then do you say, but now, let me tell you, it doesn't really mean what you think it means. I know that it says that you're saved, but you aren't really saved yet. You ain't saved until you die and see Jesus' face. And if you don't, you wouldn't saved. Is that what you tell them? You tell them with all boldness. Well, your sins are forgiven, you're saved. What makes them struggle in the future? What makes them maybe turn aside and go back to their old ways? They forget that they were saved. They have not really discovered what salvation means to them. The Bible says this, but unto us that are saved. Somebody say are saved. That word are simply means that it is a a word that is plural, that whoever reads it means the same thing as it did to the first person that received it. In other words, when God says you are saved, you are saved saved. Could I get an amen? You are saved. Somebody say, I'm saved. Now, you don't have to ask to be saved. You're not trying to be saved. You are saved. Now, since you are not becoming saved and you are saved, then you're a new creature. 
Somebody say, I'm a new creature. All right. Now let's go to Ephesians 2.10. This is a past tense gospel. Jesus is not hanging on the cross every week. He has hung on the cross. Salvation is available to every man and woman that will call upon the name of the Lord. Could it get an amen? It's available. Anybody can be saved. You are saved. Somebody say, I'm saved. All right. You know what that word means. It means that you are delivered. Just start going around. If you have habits or anything else that the devil's trying to remind you of or trying to re-put up on you, all you need to do is say this. Look, I'm saved. I'm saved. In other words, I've been delivered. Not that you're going to get delivered. I have been delivered. It means healed. All you got to do when sickness comes up, say, look, I'm saved. Just, I'm saved, man. I'm saved. Oh, but, but the evidence. No, no, it doesn't matter. You're saved. Could I get an amen? We're saved. We are not the sick trying to get healed. We are the healed trying to be made sick. You're on a backslider trying to get saved. You're saved trying to be tempted to go back. Let me say this. Once you accept that you are something, you never view yourself from a low position. Never. See, I never view myself trying to win a battle. You know, I hear Christians all the time. Well, we're praying for victory. <laughs> Why? In prayer, something that you need grace to do. But if the word says that Jesus always causes you to be, be victorious, or God calls you to always be victorious in Christ Jesus, do you have to obtain victory? Or could you just say, look, I'm victorious. I'm in Christ. Could you say that and be true? Yes. Yes. Dr. Oberlew, you operate on people. You take stuff out like a, what, what are those things? Not, not those things, but that one thing, the prostate, the prostrate, the, what is the prostate? You take that out. When somebody comes into you and, and says, uh, hey, uh, Dr. Obalu, uh, I don't have a prostate, but could you uh, kind of operate on mine so my insurance would give me a, a, what, a workman's comp? What would you say? Nope. You couldn't do that. Because he already has been de-prostated. <laughs> right? So if you have already annihilated the prostate, then he can't be subject to the prostate. Is that right? Hmm. How if Jesus gives us victory the same time he annihilates death how can we have to fight for victory? No, what the devil wants you to do is to forget you have been purged from your sins. He wants you to remind you that you've done wrong, that you've been bound, you've had this problem. Now you say, well, Pastor, you're, you're like talking like... Weird stuff. Well, I'm talking like we live in another world. Yeah, I'm talking about that I'm not subject to the elements of this world. I'm talking about that I've been raised up and seated together in Christ Jesus. And if the devil does anything, he has to ascend through the opportunities I give him. But he's not going to cause me to descend. 
Amen? Amen. I'm not coming down. I'm not coming down. I'm up here seated in heavenly places with God. And you, devil, and all of your works are under my feet. You will not rule me. You're under my feet. The only way that you're going to get me is if I forget where I'm supposed to sit. So when the devil comes at me and tries to tempt me, he's trying to get me to deny that I've been purged. So all I got to do is say, hey, devil, remember this. This is what the Word of God says. I don't have to convince him I'm a child of God. I don't have to convince him that I'm an overcomer. I don't have to convince him that I've got faith. I don't have to convince him of anything. All I have to do is say, I'm saved. I'm saved. I've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness. I'm saved. But the devil said, but you got a runny nose. I'm saved. Yeah, but man, you know, this is just common to man. I don't know if it's common to man. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. And up here in heaven, we ain't got no doctors. Now, I'm trying to get something across to you. We have got to realize that the gospel is past tense. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Good works. We are ordained to walk in blessing. That's what that word good works means. It means that God has ordained that we would walk in blessing. Doesn't matter where you're walking, you're walking in blessing. Yeah, okay, all right. Let's go to Ephesians 2.13. says this, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Jesus. Say, God and I are close. Close. For he is our peace who hath made us both one, have broken down the wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity or sin, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that we might be reconciled both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to us that were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Somebody say, I have access to God. You never ever are turned away from by God. Get that in your mind and prayer will not be a struggle. Yep, you're right. Somebody say amen. All right. Now, I hate to use that one. Uh, If you will resist the devil, submit yourself unto God and resist the devil, the devil will hang around. He will what? Okay, submit yourself unto God. Here comes the devil. Well, you know, you ain't feeling like anything's working. Hey, God, is my faith working? Yes. If you said to the mountain, the mountains moved. I'd look at the devil and say, devil, God said my faith is working. Now, what is going to happen to the devil? Well, he's just going to stay there. Only if you think he is. If you just look at him and say, no, I'm saved. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us out of the biggest percentage of those. Out of them what? Now, who delivers? So when afflictions come, if we would just say, Father, I want to thank you for delivering me out of this affliction, what would you do? The affliction 
you would be delivered from. But if you start trying to handle the affliction by yourself, you're going to be defeated. Look, if affliction is going to get to me, it has to get to me by my authority and my resignation to its will for my life. Because I, all I have to do is say, no, the affliction may come, but look, I've got angels encamped about me. I have the word of faith for me. I've got a shield of faith about me. I'm keeping on the helmet of salvation. I'm not going to forget that I was purged. I'm not going to forget that I was something, but now I am something. Could it get an amen? The gospel is past tense. Somebody say past tense. All right, if you're saved, if you're raised up and seated in heavenly places, don't ever back down from that. Galatians 1.4 says this, that Jesus gave himself that he might deliver us from the evil of this world. Did Jesus give himself? Did he give himself? All right, if he gave himself to deliver me from the evil of this present world, am I delivered? Am I delivered? So anything that comes against me has to come through who God made me. So it is a stand of him at a disadvantage, not me. Remember, I get to stand and see the work of the total salvation of God. But you and I as Christians so many times forget and we're trying to fight the devil. Let God do the fighting. It is not our battle. It is his. It is not our word that says we are saved. It's his. It's not our word that says he delivered me from all of the evil of this world. It's his. It's not my word that says he meets all my needs. It's his. It's not my word says that I have peace in the valley. It's his. It's not my word that says I get delivered out of all my afflictions. It's his. What does God do? He watches over his word. Romans 5, 12 says that we reign in this life. Let's stop being a doormat. The Bible says that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings. In heavenly places. Somebody say, I'm blessed. I'm not trying to be blessed. I am blessed. Listen, I'm blessed inside, outside, under my foot, in my toenails. I'm blessed in my belly button. The lint moves over. I'm telling you, I'm blessed to my neck in every wrinkle that I've got. You lift it up. I'm blessed. Do you understand? I am blessed. And so are you. You're not trying to be anything. You are something. The other day I was in, went into a, a doctor's appointment. It says, uh, 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 do you have this? Uh, what a gender are you? Male, female, another. I looked at the girl and I said, do I have a choice? I said, do women get a discount? She said, uh, no, I don't think so. I said, well, could you check on that? I said, sometimes minorities get discounts. She said, well, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'll have to check. I said, never mind. I got enough money to pay the man's way. Now, how does a man inspect a man that says he's a woman? You can't say bend over and cough. You're gonna... <laughs> I'm telling you, the woman giving me the filling out the thing was confused, and I was confused, and I was trying to confuse her. I am concerned about the future of the human race. Because of the idiotic sense of fallen man. Amen. Ephesians 1 4 says, God hath redeemed us and forgiven us of our sins. Somebody say, I'm redeemed. I'm, redeemed. I'm, forgiven. I'm forgiven. That's it. That's who we are. 
Then he hath abounded unto us in wisdom and revelation and understanding of the scriptures. 1 Peter 2, 5. Let's go to 1 Peter 2, 9, and then we're going to wrap up. I hope you got the point. Look, we are who God says we are, and it is a past tense identity. But you are a chosen generation. Somebody say, I didn't stumble into the kingdom. I was chosen for the kingdom. I am a royal priesthood. Woo! I am a holy nation. I am a peculiar people that I should show forth praises of him who hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Are you in the light or the darkness? Okay, next verse. In which times past, time past, you were not a people, but now, somebody say now, you are the people of God. Hallelujah. Which have not obtained, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Next verse. Dearly beloved, oh God, hallelujah. I am the beloved, the beloved, the beloved, the beloved, the beloved of God. Lincoln's gone on a hunting trip today. He called me and said, Papa, don't forget my uh, bag when you come down. I said, I've already packed it. Oh, hey, don't forget my uh, boots. And my, I said, I already put them in there. Oh, don't, don't forget them, that new pants and that jacket you bought me to hunt. I said, I already put them in there. Well, I need that thing from my belt. I said, I already put them in there. Since Mark is driving them down, I forgot to tell Mark. Mark, when he goes to the bathroom, don't forget to go in with him so you can wipe. <laughs> Listen, my grandkids know just what to do if they have a need. Get a hold of Papa. I tell him, you run out of shells, call me. You run out of pellets, call me. You need fishing baits, call me. Whatever you need, call me. Don't tell mom, mom, call me. Moving right along. And it says, I'm beloved. Somebody say, I'm beloved. Hallelujah. I'm beloved. I'm beloved. Dr. Lori, could you show me? How beloved Dr. O is to you. Come on, stretch them hands out. Let's hear them lips smack. Let's see the slide. Whoa! There you go. That's beloved. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from flesh and love, which war against the soul. Go ahead, the next one. Having our conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereby they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which are byproduct of your established identity, which they shall behold and glorify God in the day of visitation. Somebody say, I was something, but I am now. Look, you and I don't have to look for our identity. It is past tense. Don't try to make it happen. It's already happened. I'm married. It governs what I say, where I go, how I talk, what I do. It governs what I like and what I don't like. Amen? And all of you people getting married, <laughs> say goodbye to liberty and freedom. Say goodbye to any little specks of hope, of joy that you may have had for your old age. Unless you're Dr. Owen, oh, got a wife like Lori that's just slobbering over him. Say, well, my girlfriend slobbers over me. That'll last three days, and then reality will set in. Right, David? <laughs> you're right. Now, listen, we are. Bill, you're married. Bob, well, I didn't say anything about it. I, well, I never said I'm not happily married. Well, that'd be a death sentence. I, uh, now, Bob, you're married. Elaine, you're married. Wayne, 
You're just bound. Now, Scott, you're married, right? Now, it does not yet appear what you shall be, but you are being transformed every day into a dishwasher, a vacuum cleaner, a bed maker, a laundry folder. Yeah, and here's what Phyllis pulled on me the other day. She said, honey, I know you do dishes and stuff. I appreciate that. But let's spend some more time together. I said, okay, what do you want to do? She said, why don't you just go get the laundry and we'll kind of just talk. <laughs> I did it. That was stupid. Why did I do that? That was our date night. Scott, that's where you're headed, son. Now, all right, come on. Lift your hands up towards heaven, Father. Now, God, we are who you said we are. We may have been orphans. We may have been sinners. We may have been drug abusers. But today, God, today, God, you watch over your word to perform it. And God, when we declare, I am saved, God, deliverance goes into motion. God, I'm saved. Goodwill goes into motion. God, I'm saved. Healing goes into motion. God, I'm saved. Protection goes into motion. God, I am the righteous. My seed begins to be blessed. God, I am righteous. Afflictions begin to fall powerlessly. God, I'm lifted up and seated in heavenly places. I view every battle from a victorious standpoint. I do not start at ground zero. I start at ground and seat of victory. God, I thank you that we are. We're not changing who we are. We are who you have made us in Christ Jesus. We're new creatures. Old things are passed away. No bondages, no shame, no addictions, no hurts, no harm. Old things are passed away, every one of them. It's just gone. God, we are new creatures and all things now are of God. Our strength, our deliverance, our provision. God, we thank you. We were, but today we are. We are. We are. What Jesus died to make us. Amen and 